because it's it's their journey. You know what I mean? It's like there there are kids. If you you know, as my my husband and I don't agree on this necessarily, but we are both hardworking. We're both smart, and we've raised our kids to be res, you know responsible, and we've tried to guide them. But it's their journey. You got to let them go. They've got to make sometimes that mistake is the best thing that's ever going to happen to them. Okay, hello everybody, and welcome to the Undo Anxiety Podcast, um, where uh, hopefully we are going to talk about some of the things that make us uh, kind of culturally and individually anxious, and remove some taboos, and open some doors, and undo some of that undue anxiety that we all kind of experience. Um, I'm your host, Dr. John Duffy. Hopefully you've found the right place. Um, I have a very interesting guest with me today. Uh, Welcome, Kathleen. Hello. <laughs> <laughs> Kathleen is Kathleen is um, a Renaissance person to me because um, <laughs> she is doing something different all the time. She's a writer. She's an artist. She's a parent. Um, uh, she's a wife. What what other roles do you fill? Well, I am a business owner now. You are a business owner. I opened owner. an art studio. Yep. Teaching yep. art to kids. Yeah. And and you just I, I you have some basic philosophies that I think are so common sense and yet we forget so many of them. And, um, and part of the reason I invited you here is that you recently wrote an article about homework. Um, and I thought maybe that'd be a good starting point because I'm kind of curious about your philosophies in general, about parenting and life. But this one got me. Um, do you mind sharing a little bit about your, your point in this article on homework? Sure. Well, it, it's so funny. I had no intention of writing about no homework until my son, Max, who is in eighth grade, asked me to pick up the mantle because there's a no homework movement. I mean, there may always be a no homework movement. Right. But, and I thought, well, sure, you know, I could do that in one article and be done with it. Right. Um, so what got me started on it is he dislikes homework so much that he comes home and, you know, is laying around and then agreed to get up an hour early in the morning just so he could have, he wanted to come home from school and have nothing. Got it. And so he'd get up an hour early at six, do his homework then, and then go to school. And then I told him, Let's, you're in eighth grade, who cares? Stop doing homework for the rest of the year. Do, you know, do well in school, stop doing homework, and let's just see what happens. Come on, really? I did, because you know the principal of his school, who I won't name, had said nothing matters that happens in eighth grade. Like one, high school matters, but nothing before that. Kids are kind of onto this now too. I mean, you know, I hear this from kids who are in eighth grade. Like they recognize, like, yeah, this doesn't count. There's no permanent record. This isn't, you know, high school, college is C. But this stuff, you know, this is this well, is a free pass. Maybe my guy doesn't feel that way because he panicked. He said, you know, I, I I won't get into a good college, and so he he needless to say, he's still doing his homework. Max didn't take the bait. You, he did you, not. And you gave him that pass. You said, Yes. Hey. I told him I would go up to the school. I would tell him he's not doing homework and just just to see what happens, to see how well he could do without it. Yeah. But he did not take the bait. How do you think he would have done had he not done any homework? I, I don't know. I mean, I think he may do the same as he's doing uh-huh. or he may have done worse. I don't know that he would have done better. I would have loved that would have been great if he did, <laughs> but I, I'll never know. So um, given that, and given that Max didn't take the bait, what made you write the piece about doing no homework whatsoever? Uh, well, I have four kids, and yeah. so my oldest did no homework, it seemed like. He's, I mean, looking back, he had trouble that, you know, we tried to help him, and I, we were not successful. 
So he ended up doing a gap year, which somehow turned his life around. Right. My second child, uh, who's a sophomore in college, I mean, she worked so hard we sent her to school with circles under eyes um, because she had to do those AP classes. She had to, you know, she just had to, had to, had to. And this was her, self-directed. This self-directed. This wasn't you and your, and your husband kind of pressing her? No, because uh, both Peter and Mary Jo, who are both in college, will say to me, you are the only parent who when we, you send us off to college, all you say is have fun. I never say I know they're going to do their work. I and even if they're not, I just I just say have fun. And and you trust that the right things are going to happen? Yeah, because the right things are not necessarily the things that you think are right. How do I get parents to understand that, Kathleen? <laughs> because that's how do you know that? How do you, you you say that with such ease and yet I spend, you know, 12 hours a day trying to get people to understand just that. Because it's it's their journey. You know what I mean? It's like there, there are kids. If you, you know, as my my husband and I don't agree on this necessarily, mm-hmm. but we are both hardworking. We're both smart, and we've raised our kids to be, res- you know, responsible. And we've tried to guide them, but it's their journey. You got to let them go. They've got to make. Sometimes that mistake is the best thing that's ever going to happen to them. Oof! Like, pause on this, folks. <laughs> Anybody listening, especially if you're a parent, right? Like that mistake. It, which seems like the end of the world could be the best thing, could be the turning point, right? Yeah. Could be the reset. I mean, I'm glad looking back that p- my oldest had D's and F's senior year of high school. I mean, we were we were so attached to him doing well, and then once they once you know it's kind of a lost cause, then you start looking for other options, which is how the gap year came up for him, which is the best thing that ever happened to him. It was life-changing. And he is um, now, wouldn't you argue, he's a pretty admirable young guy. Yeah, he's a junior in college. He gets A's, mostly A's and some B's. He's in a college that he didn't get into originally. Um, he's going to Argentina for a year. He's very focused. Uh, you know, our, you know, it's interesting. My kids, now that they're the two that are away, um, we're not in that much contact with them because they're on the East Coast. Yeah. But the, the, but they do come back to us for advice for things. But you know, I I rarely give advice. Like I, you know, Peter wanted to go away. I said, you know what. Do I go for a semester or do I go for a year? I mean, a, yeah, a semester or a year. Right. And he's and I said to him, how, like, how would that work? He goes, well, if I double major, I can only go for a semester. If I have one major, I can go for a year. I said, nobody cares about your double major. Now, I know parents are going to be, like, cringing out there. But right, it's, right. No one cares. Like, I'm a liberal arts gal. He's going he's gonna to spend a year in Argentina. He's going to major in Spanish. He's going to get a job. And, you know. And that's what makes him interesting is – Real experience instead of like classroom experience, like in a, in more class. Right. Um, yeah. How do if I'm listening and I've got a a junior in high school who's getting D's and I'm thinking like this is the end of the world. This kid's going to be on my couch ten years from now, and I'm listening to this woman Kathleen who seems so calm about her kid who had D's. You know, like and and was really not. He was phoned in high school. You know how. What advice do you have for that person? You know, because it's like, um, it's so panic worthy in today's culture, right? It's like, oh my God, all these kids are in AP classes and they're getting 33s on their ACTs and they're going to these, you know, schools and getting these business degrees and these great jobs. And my kid is sitting on the couch playing a video game. Well, I I mean, I would definitely say do like do all the things like have you know is he on drugs you know maybe 
have him talk to a therapist. I mean, I would cover all your bases like that. I mean, I'm not that free and easy, but, you know, looking back on Peter and then listening to him explain what happened. I mean, we moved several times, so he changed schools. I mean, he really couldn't do some, like the math, like math was just hard for him. When I went to high school, I got out of math as soon as I could. I got out of science as soon, that was allowed. Like this whole four years, you have to take four years of science and four years of math. I mean, I think that's nonsense because that's not his strength and that's not every kid's strength. And the college model kind of allows for that, doesn't it? Like, okay, I'm going to follow the things I'm interested in. If, if you're, not many kids do it, but some do, right? And, but the high school model says, okay, it's a cookie cutter thing. We're going to do four years of math, four years of social studies, so four years of science and yeah. so on, right? Yeah. A language. Yeah. I think it's a problem. Yeah. Um, I think kids should be able to do what they're interested in. And, you know, for example, when my son was, had his schedule for um, this, this semester that he's in now, and he has yoga and photography and psychology and Spanish, you know, what, that psychology is his minor. Yeah. My husband was like, <laughs> oh and no, I'm like, there's no finance. Yeah, yeah, like <laughs> yoga. And I said, well, he has a gym requirement. He, you know, he has a phys ed. That's not uncommon at colleges. And and my daughter, who wants to be a veterinarian, I mean, is so science oriented that I worry. Has is, is, does she really know that this is what she wants to do? Because she decided at 16. Right. So the good news is, is she's going to Florence next semester with no science. And so then, then she'll. I think she'll know. Like if something else hits her, it'll hit her there. So it sounds like it's more important to you that your kids end up doing something they're interested in and they have some degree of balance in their lives than that they make a bunch of money or end up working at some marquee company that we all have heard of. Yeah, well, I want them to do what they love and I want them to know what they want to do, which um, I I see a huge problem with kids, the 16, 17-year-old juniors, seniors who are like, I'm going to go into engineering, I'm going into this, and and I'm thinking, how do they know that? I mean, I just figured out what I wanted to do at 52. Yeah, yeah. So. Um, and, and there's, I, I've said this before on this podcast, there's, there, there was an article in Time, and you, you, you may have been the one referring it to me a year or so ago, that said, suggested that kids now are going to have four or five careers. Sure. Right? And, yep. and we were likely to have one or two, and I think you and I fit in that mold roughly, right? Yep. Yeah, yeah. So in a way, I think I hear you saying, yeah, don't worry. Let your kids follow their paths. Be around, you know, if they need you, but things work out. But if you try to over-direct it, they might not. Right. I mean, if you're a a good parent, and I define a good parent as getting them to their doctor's appointments and the dentist, you know, taking care of them when they're sick, making sure there's food in the house and that they're safe. I mean, to me, that's basically good parenting. Be there, you know... If I was going to recommend any book to read, I would say read the five love languages. Like know what's important to your kid because it's one thing, according to the book, which I've found it to be true. Like the one thing that's really important to them, you do that. Like, you know, I have a kid who loves me to make meals for him, so that's what I do. The You know, another one wants to hear words of praise, so that's what I do for him. And it makes a huge difference. And maintain some connection. And, and that's positive, right? Like, it, but you don't. Don't do everything for them. I hear that. No, don't do. I mean, <laughs> do, do as little as you can for them. Yeah. Make them work. I'm a big fan of making them work in high school. Jobs. Yeah, real jobs yeah. with a paycheck. Mm-hmm. That's an education all that that's so easy because someone else is doing the educating. Yeah. So, so is that what the, is that what it's done for your kids? Like, if you you've had three kids now with jobs, right, in high school. Yeah, and actually, yeah. my eighth grader pro- has done more work. You know, he works for the neighbor across the street than the other kids did at that age. Is that right? 
Yeah. So they learn the they learn the value of a dollar. I mean, like my my one son who's has had two jobs this summer, and we were driving through um, the drive through at McDonald's, and they were hiring, and he was like, "Ooh, look at that!" They're pay-. I'm like, "What's so interesting? They're paying eight seventy five an hour and paid vacation. Like, until your kid has a job, they're never going to get that." Right, right. Understand, like, the, not just the value of a dollar, but the value of like, oh, you get paid vacation. There's a, like what even what the benefits are, what that means. Yes. Right? Yeah. Yeah, and then this, the same kid who is working all year. He's my first child to work halfway through high school, you know, all through school. Right. And he is worried about a plan. He wants to do Second City next summer for three weeks. And uh-huh. he's like, but who's going to take over for Tony? You know, who's going to take my job for Tony? I'm like, that's not your problem. Give him enough notice. You know, but the fact that he's worried about his employer is just like the coolest thing, which he, he never would have been like that if he hadn't actually worked. No, right. That adds such dimension to a kid's life, doesn't it? I'm just yeah. thinking like you're absolutely right. This is something kids wouldn't consider if their only thing is school. Right. School or sports or activities. Right, right. Um, where it's kid-centric. You know, I don't I don't believe in having a kid, kid-centric atmosphere in my house. Yeah. No, you really don't, do you? No. It feels almost like an old school kind of parenting philosophy. Like, you know what I mean? Like, I, I think, you know, I'm thinking about the way my parents parented and they weren't hyper-involved, but, you know, um, every once in a while there'd be something, there'd be a touchstone, you know what I mean? Like where I would, we'd watch a show together or we'd have a meal together or something, you know? Um, but by and large, it was kind of like, you know, go out, do your thing, live your life, get your job, do, so, do something outside of school. Um, the only part that doesn't feel old school is let's you know this anti this thing about homework you know so take me back to that. So the homework, uh, what I realized about the homework besides seeing two of my children who are exhausted who are very studious yeah. and two of my children who were not so studious who just hated homework, um, that's always resonated with me and the fact that I couldn't help with their homework right. so I stopped once I, I made my oldest I made actually every child cry trying to help them especially with math that I would then just write a note to the teacher Um, because I think there were so many parents helping that they were raising it was sort of like raising I don't know the standard which was not real artificially raising yeah because the parents parents were helping yes so but it wasn't until I started my business which is I have a teaching art studio and I I create all my own art projects you know and I get them from whether like reading I read the newspaper I read three newspapers actually I go for walks I look at stuff um, then something usually strikes me and so then I'll create a whole uh, slideshow presentation out of it and then make a project but I can't I realized I couldn't do that all the time I was getting burnt out because I was constantly trying to do stuff related to my art business so then once once I limited myself to three days a week in my studio and just got away from it all of a sudden like the creativity started flowing and so it made me think well like if my like I thought about my husband he he works you know he works whatever eight nine hours a day right and then he comes home if he had to come home and do all that same work that like continue working, just continue. Yeah, just his continue job. working. No. Ha- he didn't, wouldn't get a. Not only would he not get a break to do the things that need to get done, like you know, mowing the lawn, walking dogs, and all that, but you you just need to get away from it. And so, why would we expect our children to work seven hours in school and then come home and work more? Like, why aren't they applying it? And I, I mean, in a fun way. Like, why aren't they experimenting or playing or having fun or or working jobs or doing chores? You know, I mean, I've had to actually not make my kids do chores because they couldn't get everything else done. And I'm like, this isn't right. Like, I'm right. not a maid. Right. 
Right. But parents are maids today. Oh, yeah, because the kids are like, you know, there are kids. I've worked with kids who do seven hours of homework a night, like match, you know, until they go to bed. So it's like they come home, they might eat something, and then they're working the rest of their waking hours. And you know what I was thinking about why, I mean, I actually have still have not made the connection from the childhood that we, that most of us had who are, you know, 40s, 50s, where you were loose. Right. And what, and then where a lot of us are successful. So why parents are worried that their own children won't be successful with that same life, that still is mind boggling to me. Um, oh my God, I lost my train of thought. It's okay. You know, that's, that's my, uh, we'll, we'll, we'll sit on that for a second because that's, um, it happens sometimes in here, you know? <laughs> I think part of it is like, that's one of the, we, we allow ourselves to make mistakes, you know? Um, but that's mind boggling to me too, you know, that, that, that whole idea that, you know, like we were able to be successful. We didn't do all this homework. We didn't do, you know, we didn't pr- over prepare for these, uh, you know, um, standardized tests and things. And yet we think, our kids need to, and and I spend a lot of times asking parents like, "Have you forgotten how childhood works? You know, like how you know what it's like to be a teenager. That that your social life's important. That some degree of balance, like you're saying, like you know, working or doing something else besides school is important." And go ahead. Well, yeah. So you know, I I think we think, and I say we collectively as this generation, that if we can, we just push them a little bit more then at some point they're going to get to rest. But they're not going to get to rest because they're just going to keep pushing themselves. Now, I, and I'll give, for example, my daughter. Like Peter, as I said, was the one we, you know, made him do a gap year. And the college was like we, he wasn't – he was at first shooting for colleges we never even heard of. That's how bad his grades were. Yeah. So then with our daughter, I actually – I feel bad when I think about this. I actually was like just apply to one more harder school because her scores were so good, her grades were so good – and like we stressed her out and then she ended up at a college that we didn't expect like in in an honors college and she loves it it's like so she's so happy and she's doing well so then with my next kid i don't even care <laughs> because well a because he's motivated enough b because i know he'll get a good education wherever he goes right. um c actually the with the cost of college so high i don't care how wealthy you are to pay 70 80,000 a year for college i think it's crazy yeah. But. So what what uh, what's your philosophy around that? Like you know, um, you, because oh, the a lot, because thing? yeah, for for a lot of us, it's like you know, okay, we're gonna get the, we want our kid to get the highest possible GPA and the highest possible SAT or ACT score to get into the best possible college, the highest tier college they can get into, to provide them the best opportunity going forward. That's well, what we say on paper. That's what we say. I don't know if it's true. I mean. I would think if you get into an Ivy League college, you probably do have more opportunities than the rest of us. You have connections. Um, I think in this day and age with social media and the connectedness, I don't think that's as important. Right. Um, I think the money thing is huge, that and that makes it easier. Like you can just say we're not – like my son's counselor said to look at NYU, and we talk about NYU all the time because it's 75 it's, – I think it's the most expensive school in the country. Yeah. It's like 75 thousand dollars a year or something crazy seventy five thousand dollars a year year yeah so and then with four kids i mean if you're gonna pay we're not gonna pay three hundred thousand dollars per kid even if we had it to do it right we're not um, over a million dollars for college yeah I mean, right that for, seems a little for, excessive um the kids so with what I, my philosophy is is uh if you want to save money then get you know whatever school you get into say you get into x say you get into notre dame mm-hmm. i don't know how much that costs go down one level 
and they're going to throw you money. I mean, that's what, that's what was our experience. Right. They're, they're going right. to give you scholarships or whatever. These kids are going to come out educated. It's really up to them how, how well they're going to do. In a way, I love the ease that you have about this um, because this parents get so tense about this stuff, and then they and then and then the kids, you know, they just mirror that. And um, and I I share your philosophy. Um, I never thought about the going down one level part. The the the, the part I, I focus on is goodness of fit. Like mm. you know, um, I worked with a kid recently. Um, he got into Wisconsin and Michigan State. And, um, and he wanted to look at Illinois State. And his uh, parents kind of were very much against this, that, well, you've gotten, in, you're already in better schools, you know. Um, and he's like, I have some friends going there. I've heard good things about it. I want to see it. Walked on the campus. He said, 15 seconds in, I knew, like, this is home, you know. And he's now a sophomore there and is really, really happy there and really thinks, like, that was the most important factor. Like, this suits me. It's actually by the way, way less expensive than either of the other schools, you know. So there's that, like you're saying, you know, like, and, and I think he may even be on scholarship there, but also he's happy, you know, like he really likes the atmosphere, and I think that counts for something. And I've worked with a, a good number of kids who've gone to the, the highest possible. I mean, I, there's one Princeton guy in particular, you know, who got in, you know, kind of white-knuckled through the four years, was depressed and unhappy, you know, really depressed, you know, all the way through, and um, went through this, you know, this ceremony of graduation, you know, but he felt like it was a farce because he didn't enjoy his time there. He didn't feel like he learned much other than, like, this is, it's a tense and anxious world, you know, wow. <laughs> he had to unlearn that. So, um, so, so you say go a tear down. Like, well, you it's, know, a full, it's a, it's, it's one strategy. Yeah. You mean I think there's a bunch of kids going to Alabama from here, right? And I think they get scholarships. There's a it's a really interesting thing that's that uh, you know, um, and I give Alabama so much credit, right? Because they've decided like we're going to recruit from this, these couple of like areas in, around mm-hmm. Chicago for whatever reason, you know, and draw these really smart kids and put and build an honors college and you know like I think and really it, increase our esteem a little bit. Right, it raises a standing yeah. when you have kids from other states coming to your school. Right, right. So yes, there's a lot so, yeah. of kids from around here, around the Chicago area, really bright kids going to Alabama on massive scholarships. I mean, you know like and that they wouldn't have if they were going to to U of I or Illinois State or anything around here. Right. Yeah. So, you know, it's interesting um, you know, so parents who are worried about their kids and where they go and whatever. And, um, my son, uh, the, my oldest who he, he wrote recently about his whole experience and about not wanting to be defined by his ACT score, which was pretty low. And yeah. like that. And so everything he's done since then has debunked that score. Yeah. So there. Like my my husband, hopefully he won't get upset, but he, he used to worry so much about this kid, you know, who was not doing that well. And then I said, and I would, I have to say to him, like on a weekly basis when he was, you know, at home and in high school, I said, a kid's life is not decided at 16 or 17. That's so great. And it probably decreased the tension in your house a lot, uh, you know, and, and maybe it was tense, but you know, in a lot of houses where kids are getting D's, like, that's crisis mode. Like, every single day there are fights and arguments, and, you know, and I suspect that you didn't, you were able to circumvent no, some of that. we had some. I mean, I always had faith, and my husband once sat, I come from a family, I have four siblings, so, I mean, I, I you know, knew what it was like to grow up with people of different, you know, 
caliber of what they were doing in high school and how their grades were. Right. And I, my husband sat across me. This is the biggest compliment. He said to me, I don't know how I would do this without you. Because he, it's so funny because he had such, he's always had faith. Like he, when he didn't have faith, he'd then have faith because I was so, I just knew. Like if you just, they're all going to be fine. Like you just have to know they're going to be fine. You got to let them do their journey. You got to give them the support they need. And then that's it. I love that. Yeah, they are all going to be fine, aren't they? You know, by yeah. and large, things work out, right? Yeah. Yeah. yeah, I love that. And and do you feel like you and your husband um, achieve a balance like that? When I think about you guys, I think like you're you're very very different from each other. I picture you parenting different from each other, and I picture that your kids probably benefit from those different approaches. Am I right about that? Yeah. Well, I think I mean just having people with different perspectives in a family just is widens your horizon a bit. But they know. Um, I mean, my husband is great because he does the research. He covers like the nuts and boltsy stuff that I don't want to cover. But I'm the one who probably tells them to dream and you know go for it. And you know, like my daughter when she was going abroad, uh, you know, told us she was going abroad, and she's like, "Well, I'm thinking of going to Sweden. What do you think? Or do you have a problem with that?" And I said, "No." I go, "Why would you think I have a problem?" I guess when they were kids, she said I was a little bit overprotective. We lived near a busy street and whatnot. Right. I mean, babies, you're more overprotective because you're trying to keep them safe. Well, yeah, that's you know? your job, right? So I said, no, I don't care where you go. I think it's fabulous. You know, I said, your dad's going to ask how much it's going to cost, What you know, whether it's going <laughs> to you know, cost more than what we're paying now, what are all the logistics. Mm-hmm. But, you know, I, go for it. I've been telling you to go, you know, go for it forever. I went abroad. Yeah. So yeah, so uh, I don't know if I answered your question. You did, you did. Um, that, that, that you know that different perspectives, you know, in a, in a family are beneficial for a kid, and just being able to like navigate that, you know, like that. Yeah. that I think that is good, and it's kind of like the job thing, right? It's kind of like somebody's teaching your kid who's not you, and so there's another perspective coming in that way. Absolutely. Yeah. And you know, it's interesting because my husband, who worries more than I do, and he has taught the kids the all the money stuff, you know. They got allowances. They had to shop for their phones. They always had to pay for it. And I would, when he would be worried, I'd say, "But well, you've done like a fabulous job." I mean, we have four pretty frugal kids. Know right. the value of a dollar. That's not me. You know, that's you. <laughs> right, right. So his influence is like that. It is yeah, is that kind of very, pragmatic frugal? Yeah, and it's very quantifiable. Yeah, like because he is, you know, he likes to know what's what. Right. I'm more of, you know more of a dreamer yeah seems like it seems like good balance right it's a good balance it does yeah because it seems like you want your kids to have a little bit of both of those yeah yeah is this is this derivative of the way you were parented this idea that everything's going to be fine and so i'm going to step back and let go well it's interesting because my mother was a follow your dream kind of gal mm-hmm. um my dad he was more practical but he um I mean, he wasn't so, he wasn't like how my husband is, but they, you know, we just had more freedom. Yeah. Um, so I don't know. I guess it doesn't come so much from their parenting. Maybe my mom's parenting style more because she had just so much faith that things would work out. Um, but is seeing my siblings all turn out fine, even though we all had sort of, you know, some of us were better students, some of us weren't. Um, we all went to college. You know, we just so. But you're not alike, right? I mean, you, when you describe your siblings, it sounds like everybody's got you know different personalities for sure. Everyone's got different personalities, but everyone is driven. Uh, it's an interesting. There's no slackers in my family, right? You know, right. they're all. 
and I don't know if that comes from the energy both my parents had because my mom, even though she was stay at home, she was always doing stuff. Yep. You know, and my dad could never sit still. So I don't know if it comes from that. Seems like it might, doesn't it? <laughs> yeah, probably. Right. Just like always doing. Yeah. You know, always doing something. Yeah. Um, is part of it is part of your philosophy coming come from your own experience like when you were a kid you know like just kind of reflecting on like okay you know I did perfectly fine I I was I stayed in my lane enough that things worked out you know and yet I I was I moved out of my lane frequently enough that I learned and grew and realized how artistic and creative I could be and interesting because I would say I was a late bloomer I did not do a lot so that, which is why I'm sympathetic to my kids. Like if my parents, I was talking to a niece of mine and her parents, she's a freshman in high school and her parents are making her do a sport every quarter. If my parents did that to me, that would have been devastating. I was not athletic. I tried going out for field hockey freshman year and I had like, I, it was so hot and then I got poison ivy or something. It was something like, and I was like, this is, I'm not doing this, but no one said you have to do it. So that freedom actually looking back was not a bad thing. It just, high school wasn't my time. Right. So... I didn't have any stress for my parents. They sort of left me alone. You know, I did okay. I was a B student. I probably could have done better. You know, just all these things that you could have done better, but that's where you were at that time. And then... Um, could high school have been your time? Like, was there anything anybody could have done or said? Or do you feel like, mm, no, sometimes it's just not, you're, you're not ready yet. And, and you know, um, and some people are truly late bloomers. And, you know, they're going to hit when they hit, you know, kind of like... I think like you describe your your oldest, like, you know, like, boy, when he hit, he really hit. And, you know, like, and, and up until that time, maybe he just wasn't ready. Yeah. I, well, I think it's so funny. I was talking to my, my niece about it because she, she lives near where the town I grew up. Perhaps if I, if I had gone to an all-girls school, it might have been different. I mean, uh -huh. I think about that. Not too much. I enjoy, I mean, I, I didn't, not that I enjoyed high school, but I had friends in high school. I mean, I was very social. I did stuff. I was a partier. Um, I just wasn't, I, you know... Well, it just wasn't my time, I, I guess. I think sometimes it's not your time. Right. And you'd rather have your time be ahead than behind. So I like that. It's not just the glory days of looking back on, you know, no, right, right, no. when you kick the winning field goal or something. Right. Though this is going to sound crazy, but my daughter did a story, like a report or something at school, to ask me, would there be one, was there one thing I could have changed in high school that would have made my life different? And I did have an answer for that was, and I wished I had gotten the Farrah Fawcett haircut. Because I had really long hair, but uh -huh. I had great hair. Uh -huh. And I think if I had gotten that haircut, it would have been life-changing. I probably would have had a boyfriend or whatever. I never had a boyfriend in high school. Like, though, then she's like, well, do you think you would have married dad? I'm like, probably not. Because I would have, who knows where I would have been. So That is a, a, an unbelievably <laughs> interesting answer. <laughs> and you're, I, I, I'm watching you. You're not kidding. Oh, right? no, I'm not kidding. The, the Farrah Fawcett haircut would have changed your life. Yeah. It. it Play with this for a second. Like, and, and what would have been different? Everything. I mean, <laughs> I mean, you hear, like, people tell you, I'm sure you tell people, just change one thing in your life. Absolutely. If you want to, like, change your life. I mean, change one, like, if, you, if you're into decorating and you get a new painting, everything else has to shift. Right. In order for it to look right. Uh-huh. Um, so... Me, I had that long hair that I hid behind. I always wanted that Farrah Fawcett haircut. I mean, the people who had those like great haircuts, I just think I would have felt different about myself. I think I would have behaved differently. I think it just would have been different. But Long hair that you would have hidden behind. Oh, yeah. I've always hidden behind my hair. Yeah. Just yeah. turning into like the uh, therapy session. It, it, <laughs> no, it, it, it actually, you know, I, I it, hair is it, psychologically like really interesting because it, it's um, – 
it's potent. Like people's hair is important to them. I, I, I remember working with, this has happened twice, once with a girl, once with a boy, where they cut off their hair by and large. You know, So one girl had very long hair that I think she was hiding behind. And the idea of getting a cut for the first time in like years was so distressing to her. I mean, she was glad, I, I mean, she grew to be glad that she did it, but she was really in, in hiding. And, and this one boy, I think he felt like his hair defined him in a way, you know? And so he kind of cut it way, way, way short, like, you know, quarter mm -hmm. inch short. And so he had to be kind of out there, you know? I, so I think there's something like that, that is very like psychologically potent about hair. That I don't know if that's been researched, but I'm kind of curious well, about it. I can tell you this, that when I went to my college reunion and my high school reunion, people who hadn't seen me commented on my beautiful hair that was no so kidding. short. Oh yeah. I mean, I've really Your beautiful I, hair now. No, that was so short. Well, I mean, I, you know, my hair is my hair, but yeah. I mean, I had such hair uh -huh. that that's how people knew me. I had really long hair and so like nice hair. So right, then right, when right. I cut it that for people to notice 30 years later, like, Oh my God, the one thing that's missing is the hair is just interesting. I wonder what, 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 uh, like what your daughter would answer to that. Did she have an answer? Did, did, did she have to answer that question in that essay? I like, don't. I'm just wondering about like this generation now, you know, is there, is there something in the Instagram it, age, you know, like, is there an yeah, answer to that? I don't know. But I mean, she wrote, she really got into it, like this, the psychology of it. It was yeah. sort of interesting. And interestingly, she has hair like mine, this uh -huh. big, long hair that she'll never cut. I, right, not until right. later or whatever. It's, you know. Do you, you, you have um, one daughter and three sons. I grew up in a family with that dynamic in the same order too. Okay. Um, and um, did you parent her differently? You know, whether you and I were talking about, you know, men and women of, before we started here, you know, like, and, and kind of like, I think unconsciously we do different things with our boys than we do with our girls. And I think we maybe unconsciously parent our girls differently, but I'm wondering if you did. That's interesting. Well, I did. I grew up in a. I had three brothers, and, and then a sister later on, and then my dad. Uh, right, your I, configuration wasn't that different. Yeah, then. no. Right, yeah. Um, I didn't. I felt it was a very male-dominated house that I grew up in, and I was pretty determined to not have my daughter experience that. So. Uh, did I? You know, I was protective, probably just the way you are of a girl, but basically she raised herself. I mean, that she never did anything we told her to do, pretty much. Uh, she's, a, she's a great student, and she's a great person, uh, and she never really gave us any trouble at all, but she basically, you know, like one time we tried to ground her, and she, when she was in high school, and she ended up making study dates for every weekend. Like, and, you know, maybe we could have called her on it, but she basically went out. She never got grounded. Right. She always found a way around. She just... Uh, so parents clever, I gotta say, right? I mean, yeah, you gotta very give clever. That, you get big points. Very for that. clever. Yeah. Um. Yeah. She did all the right things. She was she was hugely helpful, and you know. So did I parent her differently? Probably. Just. I mean, she did have a nicer. You know, she has like the nicer room, and right, we did right. do the girly stuff, and you know, her dad adores her, so you know, you can see yeah. that come into play. He never had any sisters. Yeah. So. Yeah. And yet, yet she sounds empowered from the gate, like you know. Um, Right? I mean, she sounds yeah, like well, maybe... She's, yeah, but she's a lot like her dad. I mean, she's her, as I said, her dad with boobs. 
I hope this is a now I definitely show. want your husband to hear this one. <laughs> He's heard me say that. Um, but uh, yeah, so from the girl, I don't know that we raised her that much differently, but just, I mean, there's certain things you need to protect your daughter from yeah and talk to her about and that kind of thing yeah I, I always figure it'll be a good day when that's not necessary but it does feel necessary still doesn't yeah it, it is yeah yep yep um you are you've chosen art as as a vocation for yourself yeah, yeah. Uh, chose me art chose you yeah oh yeah what do you mean you don't choose art you don't choose to be creative it's a compulsion it's who you are um so it's just it's just that I embraced it sort of later in life, I guess. Yeah. Like I went to uh, I went to college in you know in the like you know the normal time out of high school. I was an English lit major, and then I uh, decided to go to art school like 17 years ago. It took me 14 years to in three states to get my BA, my bachelor's, my BFA. Yep, so yep, I don't yep. have a master's, but um, yeah. And art chose you from an early age. Yeah, I've always been creative. Do you think everybody can be? Oh, I think that everyone needs to be creative in some way, but I don't think, do they need to do what I do, which is I write, I create, I'm making all the time? No, but it's a good outlet, Whether no, no matter where you find it, whether it's cooking or music or whatever. You need to create. Everyone needs, everyone, like for the soul almost. They can benefit. I shouldn't say they need to. Some people, you know, my husband doesn't think he needs to create. Right. Um, and he... He, you know, I, I was trying to get him to come to my studio, like, for a date night. Like, we and could just do some play? art. Yeah. He's, uh -huh. he's, you know, he'll do it if I bug him. But if he's, you press. Yeah, he doesn't want me to. <laughs> <laughs> and anytime they've done it, my kids have done art projects. Actually, I've had them do that with me. And they all get into it. But And he'll just get it done. Like, And you get your kids to do stuff like this. You know, like, I, I've noticed, like, you, you will have, um, you'll post a picture online or, or a Christmas card picture where... It'll be like, you know, everybody will be involved in some way. And it's very, it's artistic and it's your style, right? I mean, yeah. how do you get your kids, like, how do, you, how do you keep them on your side that way? You know what I mean? Because so many people create this antagonism with their kids that you don't seem to have. Well, there's sometimes tears during those okay. pictures from, Are there? from me. Yep. No, not from oh, the from kids. Oh, from you. Yeah, <laughs> when people don't want to cooperate. and like, oh, it's the 24th Christmas card. Uh, first of all, kids... Most kids love to be photographed, so That's you need to go point, to right? the vanity kind of thing. Like I recently did a, a my my son. It was right before he's leaving for school, and like and he loves to be photographed. I'm like, let's go to IKEA and just do photos there. So we did. Did you see those? I did. Um, help me I, I, now. Now that you're reminding me of that, how did that? So here's your 21 year old son. Yeah. How do you get your 21 year old kid to go to IKEA and take photos? And why IKEA? I always wanted to do where you go into all those little rooms and do stuff. So he's got a little like bit. Like the, the rooms, like they're set up to show you how the merchandise would yeah. look. Like <laughs> yeah, we went into, I mean, he got into beds. He got, he actually made me nervous. He'd take his shirt off, get into a bed, and just lay there. I mean, we he was in the shower <laughs> and the, sitting on the toilet. You Come know. on. Nope, we did it. It was I'm so I'm going to have to review fun. those photos. <laughs> that, that's outstanding. Yeah, you play with your kids. Yeah. Yeah. Well, so I'm not, you know, parents, it's funny. You find what you're good at 
yeah. and what you like to do. So I don't. I never liked to play with them. I didn't. You know, I'd read to them because reading's important to me. But there's so many things that other parents didn't do. I never built a snowman till I moved to Tennessee, and we had two inches of snow once. I mean, we lived in New Jersey. I mean, we never built a snowman. I wouldn't go out. I didn't like to go out in the snow. Really? No. So <laughs> I love to do photography and creative stuff. So then you find, like, I would bake with them. I taught my daughter how to bake because. Uh-huh. They wanted cookies. I wouldn't let a cake mix in the house because I like to bake. So then they learn that way. So you don't have to be the perfect parent, but you just share what you love. And so I love photography, so they will do the photos. Do you think we take parenting too seriously? Yes. <laughs> my God. It's like my husband, I say to him, you don't, it doesn't have to be work. You can actually read the newspaper. So, you know, every people, day with people, little kids, <laughs> I, I can imagine somebody listening. I, I, I gave a talk um, uh, at a, a junior high recently and, you know, and they said I kind of offered something gently like what you're suggesting now. And somebody raised their hand, this man, and he said, you know, yeah, but that's not the real world. And I tried to retort with, well, it is if you make it the real world, you know, like that, it, you, that's the world you can have. That's the world your kids can have. That's the life they can have if you choose that. Do you believe that? Yeah. I mean, if, if you've read any of the kid Carl Hyacin books. Oh, yeah. Just read those. Read and that's Hoot. Yeah. Right? <laughs> Hoot, flush, flush. scat. <laughs> basically, leave your kids. I mean, as George Carlin said, leave your kids the F alone for a few hours a day. Just leave them. It like it just doesn't. It doesn't have to be work. The only work you need to do, in my opinion, is, you know, provide food, and medical, and a home and love. When I when I post this online, I'm going to ask all the parents I know to listen <laughs> to this seriously, Kathleen. Like that. That is. Um, Brilliant and so simple and right. Leave your kids the f alone for a few hours a day. I love that. Um, I, there, there's something I'm curious about about you that you know, like uh, so. So I've got just a couple more questions, but this I've always been curious about. You, a lot of your art is miniature. Yes. Like and not just like when I say miniature, like uh, give me give me that just so if I'm listening, I have an idea of scale. Like a person is about how big in your miniature world. You mean like how many inches? Yeah. Like four inches. Tops, right? Yeah. I can tell you why I'm like this. Okay. This is your so way ahead of me. So I believe this came from, well, first I need to just backtrack and say, I'm actually doing research for like another article on on a very formative experiences with people. Mm-hmm. Like Alexander Calder, are you familiar with him? He's an artist who I think invented the mobile. Yeah. And he had this circus, this very intricate circus. He went to the circus as a child. I mean, that influenced him so strongly. Oh, no kidding. Yeah. Okay. So in like 1967, I want to say, I have this great, I had this great aunt who never married and she would give these Santa Claus packages, she called them, and they were, she would shop for, she had like 16 nieces and nephews and she'd shop for like the year buying little things and she'd wrap them up so you get a package with a bun- bunch of little packages. What, right there, that, there, right there. But she How gave, great is that, right? I mean, yes. what kid doesn't love that, right? Yeah, so she gave me... Um, a book called The Doll in the Freezer. And it was about a little girl who goes into, you know, the old-fashioned grocery stores with the, like, open freezers that you oh, yeah, look yeah. down into. Right. And she saw a doll in there, and she'd start bringing her coats and a bed and making her stuff. And then, like, a few days, she went back and asked if she could buy the doll, and they're just, like, take her. So that, I think that was it. And everything, I mean, my all my work at my studio is basically miniature because I teach kids whatever I'm teaching them, we make it in miniature, like a, like a maquette or any kind of 
model, you you know, even buildings are made in miniature before they're built. So I just have this thing about miniature. That's so cool. Yes. I love that. I, 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 thank so you've you. You've been wondering? I, oh, yeah. I've, I've so wondered that for so long because it's like it's an interesting choice, right? I mean, I'm thinking about like, um, you know, my wife's an artist, right? So she does, you know, still lifes and, and, and profiles and, um, and there's somebody else who works in her studio who does similar work but with a different medium and you know and uh, and so I know a lot of people who are artistic you know I know singers and songwriters and but you are unique in that you work in miniatures you know like and, and it seems like so thematic for you and comforting in a way well you know it's interesting um, I had when I was applying to the Art Institute when I was moving here um, and I was and I was trying to figure out what to write my essay on and I was talking, and I was talking to my sister-in-law, and she, I said something about miniatures. She goes, "Just, just write about that." But I was kind of embarrassed. I'm uh -huh. Like this is kind of weird. Though there are plenty of artists who work in miniature, sure. like regular artists. Um, so anyway, I just, w which is just a lesson for anybody. Once you just embrace what it is, which that is, and everything I do is miniature. Um, I um, was talking to somebody recently. Um, I think it's a twenty-five-year-old man, and he said. Um, he realized that the things he was most embarrassed about himself are the things he likes most about himself, you oh. know, which was so profound, you know. So I think that's what you're kind of like suggesting is like, you know, you know, if if it's you're probably passionate about it if it makes you feel a little ashamed. <laughs> I guess, or you just think people how people are going to look at it, but yeah. once you just. Embrace it's just it. like, yeah, it's like once you embrace that your kid's not going to Harvard, it, it, everything relaxes. Yeah, amen it's to so that. easy. So you and I were talking about like if you're giving your TED talk one day, you know what what's the theme? What what's what's the idea behind it? What so you have the stage, you got the the the, the red you know letters behind you. What do you, what do you say? Oh my gosh, I guess it would depend on why they approached me. Yeah. Um, which I would think it would either be because of the things I write about or the way I teach art to kids. Right. Which is basically just don't teach any of the stuff you think you're gonna they're gonna teach like Monet and whatever just pull the contemporary stuff just pull stuff out of the world and turn it into a project and teach them I mean kids learn through making art because all art is is problem solving yeah it's all art is is you want to make this thing and you don't know how to get there that's what an artist face every single day and so I think with a kid, um, I guess I guess I would talk about. I'm not being very clear, but I guess I would just talk about how important art is. Mm -hmm. It's as important as math and English and reading and science. I never thought about art as problem solving. Oh, that's what it is. I that's brilliant. Yeah, and I get it. Like you have vision, and you have to like get there. Solve a number of problems, right? Like an issue. Constant. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, it's all problem solving because it's not. I've never like if so, I've I've worked in so many different mediums and I don't find any of them fun because it's never about what I'm doing. Like Julie may and I don't know if she actually enjoys painting. Like if she feels this at one with the can. I've never felt that. I've just been, <laughs> had my eye on what I wanted and just did what I had to do to get there. Yeah, which isn't off, often pretty. Is it? Is it? Is it a joyful experience for you? Well, it's a compulsion, so it's it's not. Is it, I'm in the zone when yeah. I'm when I'm making, yeah. so I guess it's kind of joyful. But sometimes it's not because it's you know I'm sawing or I'm doing stuff that I don't really like. I just want I got my eye on that 
fi- on that vision, and then that's whatever I need so to do to get, get there. Just got to get there, and, it, yeah. it, and and you're not you don't cut corners, right? Like it, it's kind of like do do you opt out of the vision ever and decide like ah eh, you know what that's not necessary. Uh, no, I don't. I never. I don't think I ever opt out of the vision. I just don't always. The vision may change, mm-hmm. which is which is also life too. Because I've this is kind of like a segue, but I've started. Shoot, I, don't, I don't know what you call it. I play pool every morning with myself. You know, I set up the balls and then I hit the. I hit them every morning. You do. Yeah. Okay. Because I lift weights and then I watch the pool table because that's my reward for lifting the weights. Got it. And we own it, so I might as well use it. But what I've discovered <laughs> is when you're not playing with people. That you are, you take way more chances, and that the ball, like the ball, you think you're going to get in one place, may go in a different hole, or may a, a completely other ball goes in a hole. And I, and it's like a metaphor for life because it just like, just do something and just go wherever because you may end up someplace else. That's a good place too. Oh. Kathleen, uh, I, 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 I don't know if I've stated clearly enough how much I honor you and the way you look at life and the way you parent. Um, but that is some beautiful wisdom. So I I so appreciate you being here, first thank of all. You. Thank Thanks you. Thanks for having me. And come back sometime, will you? I will. All right, thank you. Um, guys, you can find this podcast on uh, iTunes, Podbean, Stitcher, LiveLeadPlay.com, and WGN+. Plus. Um, if you have any thoughts, comments, suggestions, uh, or you know somebody who would be a good guest, uh, please let me know at John G. Duffy at drjohnduffy.com. Um, there is a free parenting program on my website at drjohnduffy.com. And um, as always, I am so appreciative of your time. So on behalf of Kathleen and myself, thank you. And I will talk to you next time. Thanks again.